Hello. You're listening to a podcast brought to you by Booper Global in association with the School of Life. And now, on with the podcast. For most of human history, work was a physical endeavour. Work meant hunting for animals, dragging a plough or operating heavy machinery. Yet for many of us today, work means barely moving at all, sitting in front of a screen and tapping at a keyboard. The life of the body and the life of the mind have been firmly split in two. This approach to life, of treating the mind and the body separately, dates back to the French philosopher René Descartes. He believed in something called dualism, which says that the mind and the body are completely separate. In fact, Descartes had a pet theory about the mind and body. He thought the only thing connecting them was a tiny rice-shaped part of the brain called the pineal gland. Today, we know that Descartes was entirely wrong. Dualism wasn't even half right. But all the same, we still sometimes behave as if it were true. In an office environment in particular, the average worker often behaves a bit like a disembodied brain on a stick. Of course, most of us know we shouldn't be doing this. Office workers are always being told to exercise. Corporate gyms are common and lunch hour spin classes are strongly promoted. Employees are encouraged to get active, to get up from their chairs and get their blood pumping. There's no doubt this is healthy, but the risk is this approach can help exacerbate the split between mind and body, devoting certain times of the day to brain work and certain times to physical exercise treats them as entirely separate things. Is there a more radical approach? One that treats mind and body as one and ditches dualism altogether? Modern life can sometimes be pretty passive, it's fair to say that we typically spend more time interpreting the world than experiencing it. The same is true in our working lives. After all, ideas are the gold dust of the knowledge economy. It means we tend to prioritise mental work without recognising how important our physical well-being is for our mental activity. But neglecting the role our body plays in how we think is risky especially in light of what we now know about the mind-body relationship. Nowadays, we know that we can improve our thinking by using our bodies. It's widely acknowledged that children are better at doing maths when they use their hands. Actors remember their lines better when pacing up and down the stage. The psychologist Daniel Kahneman has also drawn attention to a study from 2011 which looked at the decisions judges made before and after lunch – it found that judges are more likely to grant prisoners parole after lunch than before. Because refusing parole is the easier decision, the default one which you don't have to think about, they tend to revert to saying no when hungry. When you think about it, this is pretty much common sense. Everyone knows that mood can be affected by hunger, but at the same time, it demonstrates how closely mental fatigue and physical needs are linked. A judge's job is not to let their mood affect their decisions. If you've ever felt close to an existential crisis when you really just needed a sandwich, you can probably sympathise. What this all boils down to is an important practical lesson 
make an effort to be conscious of how your body affects your thinking. If we accept that everything we've been talking about is true, then getting fit is not just about your body, it's about your mind as well. The owner of, arguably, one of the world's most challenging jobs is a firm believer in that idea too. At 6.45am every morning, Barack Obama starts his day with weights and a cardio workout. In his words, you have to exercise or at some point you'll just break down. When we're physically unfit, our bodies get restless, our energy levels become low. This is why, in the long run, it's hard to think well without exercising. With longer life expectancies, most adults today will probably need to work into their 70s. So we need physical exercise to keep... So we need physical exercise to help keep our brains in good shape. But, as we've already established, this relationship works both ways. Words that we associate with physical fitness, endurance, power, flexibility, are just as good for describing the mind. Anyone who's ever spent time training or pushing hard at the gym will understand that the mind plays a big part in the way you exercise. Working out gives you a big rush of self-esteem when you really push yourself. It can also give you a healthy serving of humble pie when you reach your physical limit and can't go on. So, where does this leave us? Well... We know that the mind is a part of the body, not some distant remote control for our physical being. But putting that knowledge into practice means making adjustments to the way we live. It means making our bodies healthier, but it means sharpening and strengthening our minds at the same time. Seeing physical training as an opportunity for mental training too. You might be listening to this and thinking, well, that sounds like a good idea, but... How would I actually put that into practice? How do you use the mind to exercise the body or use the body to exercise the mind? We've developed some ideas that we think do both. For instance, let's say you're struggling with something at work. You've got a problem which needs solving, but you're clean out of ideas of how to solve it. You might feel like banging your head against your desk. That's one physical way of approaching a mental problem. But here's a better idea. Try doing your thinking away from your desk. Charles Darwin used to take thinking walks every day. He found that easy, familiar movements freed up his mind, helping him evolve his thoughts and see fresh approaches to old problems. It doesn't just have to be a walk either. You could take a thinking bath or maybe a thinking bike ride the point is to use your body to enter a new headspace, one where you see things from a different angle. If you've already tried something similar, then perhaps tiredness is the issue. Fatigue harms the brain. Try setting an, al Try setting an alarm clock to tell you when to go to bed, not just when to get out of it. As far back as the ancient Greeks, it was understood that poor physical condition, be it tiredness or otherwise led to forgetfulness, depression and crankiness. The philosopher Socrates believed famously never wrote anything down. You can understand why he was worried about forgetfulness. Seeking out slow, meditative things to do is another great way to find calm and focus. 
A few hours in the garden or vacuuming the house might give you all the perspective you need to solve your problem or to do some good, clear thinking. That covers the way your body can help your brain. But what about the other way round? You might find that when exercising, you get bored or lose focus. You start staring at the pedometer or counting calories. Try putting on a good podcast instead. Listen to the music that you've chosen personally, not the gym's playlist. Or simply allow yourself to drift into an easy, unfocused state of mind. These are all good ways to get in the zone, making your physical work easier by keeping your mind directed elsewhere. Sport is also a good place to find out more about your mind. The next time you play a game, try thinking about your mental reactions. Ask yourself, do you tend to give up, compete a little too hard, or just relax and enjoy? Everyone reacts differently. You can discover surprising things about yourself and then explore where those feelings come from. Are you the football player who argues with the ref? The badminton player who accidentally forgets the score? Or the team player who rallies the team together? It's important to ask whether you like who you become playing sport. Are your reactions positive? Perhaps there are some you'd like to change. Seen this way, a game of tennis is almost as enlightening as a therapy session. But that's not the only way exercise can be therapeutic. It feels good to blow off steam. It's good for your mind. You should enjoy the rush of giving everything you have, spending a few minutes cycling as fast as you can, bashing a punching bag with all your strength, going until you've got nothing left. We spend most of our day holding back our impulses, keeping a lid on our instincts. Sometimes the best therapy is to let go and release that physical energy where it belongs, in the gym or out on the court. Thank you for listening. To find out more, please visit boopaglobal.com.